The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. The summer driving season has officially ended. Two days ago, we were mountain biking, and now if if you hear that sound in the background, that is hail against my window, and snow is now in the mm-hmm. forecast. So I hope you enjoyed the very last piece from our summer that we've done here, which is the new M2 against my Cayman GTS. Uh, that just dropped yes. today, as a matter of fact. So uh, It did. It did. The day we're recording. Well. You're listening to this on Friday, but uh, obviously we drop new videos on Thursdays, and we record this podcast uh, that evening. So we recorded Thursday night. You guys are already watching that piece and sharing it like crazy and commenting on it. Thank you. It's playing very well. And uh, we didn't shoot that all that long ago, but yeah, looking at the weather right now, it feels like, okay, so that day's done. Uh, I'm yeah. hoping for better weather in October. I mean, maybe we'll have a bit of Indian summer here, but suddenly hail and... Uh, yeah, it's not gravel. Nobody's shoveling gravel well, in the background just, here. It's, it's it's officially fall in Utah is what's happened. And actually somebody absolutely. commented, I don't know if you noticed, somebody commented that they liked the uh, the Utah everyday plate, that uh, they're probably noticing it for the first time on this piece. It actually is in some of the shots of your long-term, uh, your first long-term Cayman piece, but it really is showcased nicely in a few shots on this piece. So people are noticing that, which is fun too. Yeah, I hope you like that. I, I kind of like the montage there with... Uh, with just the cars. I think it really shows off the styling pretty well. So I, I think people are responding to that pretty nicely too. So You know, and I, I, have to, I have to say this. I don't know if you noticed this comment, but I have to say it just because I'm so floored by it. We had a, a few people actually, and I'm only bringing it up because it was more than one person individually made this comment. Because, you know, every year Motor Trend does their monster best driver's car thing that is a, a staggering production <laughs> in its scale. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, they throw like 30 people at the problem and they have 12 cars. And this year's shoot was 12 cars and nine days of shooting. And, and I, Ugh. at one point in the background on one of the shots, this is the geeky guy I am because I watched it. And it was very, very impressive. Very oh, well yeah. Done. Oh, yeah. But at one point in the background, I counted 12 people in the background of a shot that were not supposed to be on camera. They were 12 crew members, <laughs> you know. Or hard pressed so to the, gather four or five. Yeah, the, the point. The point that I'm making here is that as that a few people have said they have preferred our piece to that monster piece from Motor Trend, and I cannot tell you. I, I look, I'm I'm hypercritical at this stage of my own work because by the time I launch something, all I see is the stuff I wish were better. So I am not a good judge. Sure, but uh, but sure. I have to say, watching the Motor Trend piece, I just went, "Wow, that's really a throwdown piece." But a few of you are saying you preferred our piece to the Motor Trend piece, and I cannot thank you enough for flattering and encouraging us with a comment like that when I see the scale of that piece, knowing their budget and number of people they threw at it, and we shot that whole piece essentially in a day and a half and four of us. So at, with essentially we paid for lunches and gas. So, yeah, it's, it's, we're operating in a very different <laughs> world. So thanks for even putting us in that category. Thank you very much. No, yeah, it's very encouraging. So, yeah, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the podcast. Everyone, we've got great debates for you for this one. It is Deanery in South Florida looking for mm-hmm. something else. He doesn't want an automatic, but he's kind of getting into some squabbles with the wife saying she does want the automatic. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into this. Here is the big thing, the big story for Dean Ree. He has a refundable deposit on a 2017 Focus RS, but the wife doesn't Mm -hmm. want him to have it. So, Dean Ree, we've got a huge listener base. Would you like to sell the Focus RS at MSRP (laughs) when it comes? I'm sure we can find you a buyer. 
So we've got Deanery there in South Florida, and we've also got one of our patrons, Antonio, who has written mm-hmm. to us on behalf of his brother Joe in New Jersey. He has yeah, a 2012 yeah, yeah. Passat who is buying back, Volkswagen is buying it back, and now he wants something new, something next. What's next? Mm-hmm. So, Antonio, yep. thanks for writing in. We are thrilled to Definitely. debate for your brother and for you. Thanks for joining us on those patron calls as well. If you don't know, if you are a patron of our Patreon, uh, you are a beneficiary <laughs> of monthly patron calls where we just kind of get on a Google Hangout and we just talk about what's next, future stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. access you know, to Todd and I for direct questions. So it's kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the higher at the high enough level, you're you're that. And Antonio's joined us for a while. We appreciate it. We're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, before we get to that stuff, we should remind you that in case you haven't heard or have fallen asleep, hopefully you <laughs> haven't if you're driving. Uh, we're going to Europe. In fact, next week we will be in Germany and Belgium on our pilgrimage trip. We're taking some drivers with us. Uh, that was a whole idea that came from you guys. You guys saw the pilgrimage film last year and said we wish you guys would host that trip and take us. Many of you said it. Now we are actually doing it and people are going if you have not if you've been under a rock and listened to this podcast on mute somehow and haven't heard us talk about it now i'm catching you up we'll be there next week we're still doing two podcasts and we are also doing a meetup after that trip is officially over next friday the 30th that is a week from now shocking to think that way but a week from now we are doing a meetup in frankfurt at uh, classic stad that uh, that afternoon evening we will keep you informed via twitter if you're in the frankfurt area would like to join us a few of you already are we would love to see you so there is that whole intro and advertisement and we'll move on (laughs) fantastic we're looking forward to meeting you and uh, again if you're there we're looking forward to it so come on out but in the meantime we've got a couple pieces of news here for you that we've noticed Mm -hmm. a lot of news outlets that are not automotive covering this which is interesting yeah. from Financial Times to Wired.com, even Bloomberg. This has been picked up because of the significance of the news, and that is Apple and this speculation about their acquisition of McLaren cars. Now, this has not happened yet. This is ongoing speculation, and as every news article here has said, this is you know not happening, but just the fact that it's in the news – Mm -hmm. is really interesting. And somebody suggested to me that maybe Apple executives have so many bonuses coming, they just decided to buy the company (laughs) instead of buying everybody cars, which kind of makes sense when you have 200 billion. We can't buy you all McLarens, but we'll just buy McLaren and give you all McLarens. Everybody happy now? Are we good corporate (laughs) meeting? Can we move on? Can, can can we get back to the iPhone 8 that we're all designing? Oh, my god! Which is actually going to have – the I don't know if you heard the speculation, but the iPhone 8 is actually going to have a camera that floats independent of the, of the, of the phone. Perfect. You know, they're taking away the headphone jack on this one. The next one's going to be just a camera that floats over your shoulder and follows you around. It's going to be awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. So they're, <laughs> they're doing that while they, uh, while they buy McLaren and hand out cars like chiclets. So it's going to be great. Yeah. It's In be other really news, cool. McLaren cars are now going to have a proper interface. It's actually going to work. And it's going to be well designed and good. So that's the big news well, for McLaren. The, the other thing, the other thing about it, though, I mean, the, the McLaren cars. The, the if you look at the factory, I, I find some real similarities in these companies, which is one of the reasons this makes for such an interesting, interesting story. I mean, you've got the overly pristine, hyper modern design of the workspace. You've got you know a founder in Ron Dennis that has, in some ways, kind of like the car equivalent of a Steve Jobs feel. I mean, there is sure, there's a lot of sure. synergy here when you look at these two things. There's a part of me that really goes, I, based on what I've heard and understand about the reputation of Ron Dennis, haven't met the man, but based on what I understand about him, I really can't see him selling to anybody. But 
that's the part of it that makes me go, I don't know. And both companies have said – well, that, that you're very right there. You are very – I mean, that's a great point. That, yeah, and my price know. is much lower than Ron Dennis. If somebody just wants to buy stuff, my price is low. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll, but, go, we'll but sell it for that, lunch. You buy us lunch? <laughs> Sold. <laughs> this was a really nice lunch. No, um, but uh, – but no, seriously, I, I I wonder if he would sell out. But at the same time, there is it, it. This doesn't seem insane when you think of if Apple were going to buy a car company. Now that I will admit feels like a leap. But if they were going to, and you say McLaren, I kind of go, oh yeah, I I can kind of see that. Be interesting to see if this is real because of course both companies are burying us in denials and going, what are you talking about? We're not doing that. So we'll see how this plays out. But it is interesting news to read. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious because my headspace goes to Formula One. Will we see Apple logos on the side of Formula One cars? And does Apple realize what they're getting into, the gigantic hole that is the sucking of the money uh, for Formula One? I mean, you know, suddenly if Apple decides to acquire McLaren, they're in bed with Honda too, at least at this point, Mm -hmm. for their Honda engine Mm -hmm. supplier. So not sure if they've thought that one through, but uh, so far, two American companies sucking up Formula One, Liberty Media sucking Formula One up, buying that, and uh, now yeah. the possibility of Apple. So, the the new Apple McLaren F1 cars won't have fuel fillers. You'll actually hold the nozzle beside the car, and it'll just magically fill. It's going to be awesome. And the that biggest really problem, impressive technology. Are we going to have to tell Formula One drivers not to text while they're driving? Are we going to have to probably, you know, probably. impose yeah. some rules mm-hmm. here? I mean, that no, could actually, be a problem. Siri, actually, Siri will be running in the car and going turn left in a thousand feet, five hundred feet. <laughs> <laughs> or will they even need That's drivers? Can they fire Alonso and Jensen? And just Siri is now going to do all the driving. Yes. I uh, iOS 12 is just running Formula One. It's just doing it. It's just – it's got it handled. Ay, ay, ay. Well, speaking of autonomy and future cars, there's also Faraday Future, which is in the news. Their partner company or parent <laughs> company being Leeco, Leeco, they have raised – just over a billion dollars to develop an electric sports car, i.e. their concept car that was coated in white leather with an F-16 bubble yeah. canopy. Windows you can't roll down, giant sun magnifying glass for the sun. It, and, was, um, it was a classic huh. concept car. I mean, we, we debriefed on that uh, oh, kind yeah. of almost, I would almost say debriefed live. Debriefed is a after kind that word, thing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about that on the podcast, and there, there was much ranting. If you'd like to find that one, find that one. But uh, but no, I mean, it was a classic concept car reveal where, where you're watching the concept car and going, nothing about this press release deals in reality. Nothing. It was cool and fun, but, you know, but... But you're right. One just over one billion with a B dollars raised on a company that is yet to actually sell a thing. That's my biggest problem: is you can't buy anything from Faraday or Leco. Leco, whatever. How are you pronouncing? Can you even buy like Faraday T-shirts? I mean, can you even go that far? Or is it just a logo that only exists I, in the digital space? I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll sell the I don't dirt think you can from buy the Nevada anything. area that they're building the factory. I don't know, but. They're in money-raising mode, but you cannot buy anything from them. They don't sell anything mm-hmm. to the general public. They have lots and lots of professionals on staff. These, this means payroll from highly trained, yeah. highly educated engineers, designers, IT professionals. Uh, yeah, well, they're burning cash, and you can't buy any I read. Product. I read this week they just hired their 1,000th employee. 
And you're also right. They're not they're not hiring college interns, folks. I mean, they may have some, but my point is they're pulling major brains in design and electric cars and cars in general from big companies are being mm-hmm. pulled to Faraday just by the lure of a big check. So th- that sucking sound you hear is the money that Faraday pu- is pulling into a black hole to pay people and haven't done anything yet. And I actually mentioned this to you before. As as much commentary as we and others have talked about Tesla, who is fighting the difficult reality of, <laughs> wow, it costs a lot of money to make cars. Which is a competing Tesla, sucking by comparison, sound. <laughs> you, yes, by the way. Tesla, by comparison, though, is a mass car maker compared to Faraday. <laughs> yes. They're, they're practically selling Corollas and Camrys in comparison to Faraday. Yes, they so are. So it's, I just am so intrigued. Now, the people behind Faraday, it, they, they seem to be the Chinese uh, bottomless pit of cash, but it's going to take a bottomless pit of cash. So it'll be really interesting to see how fast this this billion vanishes. Um, yeah, I mean, this is making Tesla and, and Uber, two people we've talked about, look frugal. <laughs> because at least Tesla and Uber, you could go, I see where the billions are going, kind of, by comparison. Kinda. Faraday, we have a logo and a concept car. And okay. Faraday, they've announced a $2.4 billion battery deal with LG Chem to su- supply the batteries for the electric sedans. So that's not a you know money changing hands necessarily. That's just a, we're going to buy that many batteries from you, well, which and- means sales anticipation is pretty high. So therefore, with all these numbers, they better have yeah. a good product. I hope we like mm-hmm. it. Is the bottom line. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Every to be seen. every brand new company, every brand new company, of course, and somebody's already yelling this. I'm sure at the podcast, but every brand new company, especially on cutting edge technology, has the fundraising section where they then proceed to burn piles and piles of cash. I understand that, but. The, the other side of it, and you've already raised it, is the fact that you are setting yourself up to really have to knock it out of the park when the time comes. Mm-hmm. This, this kind of setup, this kind of hiring, this kind of money, you have got – You forget swinging for the fences. The next ballpark in the next town over needs to be the person that gets the ball. You've got to really hit it hard. So <laughs> yeah. I – you know, this is going to be interesting to see it play out. And meanwhile, the Chevy Bolt sends them both a postcard from Hawaii or South Florida or something and says, hi, I exist. Hi, everybody. I'm well, no, here. What happens is the Chevy Bolt sends them all a postcard while sitting in traffic in every major city of the world. <laughs> exactly. That's where the Chevy Bolt sends its postcard from. It goes, by the way, while you're digging up things in Nevada and trying to build factories, because both of them are, I'm actually currently in traffic. Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm already negotiating traffic. So um, anyway, there you go. Uh, yeah, lots of money, lots of competing sucking sounds. And Apple is uh, <laughs> working hard at their own Formula One pit of money that they're going to discover oh, the, very yeah, soon. Yeah, the supposed Apple car. We'll see where that shows up. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, can yeah. we just cut to the chase? Can the Apple car just be Apple logo shaped? Can it be that with wheels? Can we just can we just cut to the chase? The the bite out of the Apple is where the, is where the windscreen is. Okay, okay. that's just they're done. Design over. Everybody goes, oh look, Apple Car. Let's just let's just close the loop. I suppose, Done. but everybody's going to wonder why they didn't hire any aerodynamicists. So, I... <laughs> apples are very aerodynamic. Okay. Ask Sir Isaac Newton; they're fantastically aerodynamic. <laughs> nice. Very nicely done, and on that let's note... <laughs> do a, let's do a car debate before I really get myself in trouble here, even though yeah, it's probably you already are, happened. Yeah, you are worked uh, up into a lather here. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Ree is writing us in South Florida, and, and you, have, you have a real dile- dilemma here, my friend, because 
You have been driving a 2010 Toyota Yaris for six years. This is your five-speed commuter car. It's five-speed only because, at your admission, you got the manual so you didn't fall asleep behind the wheel. This car staggeringly boring. It has been a car you bought at a time in life when you just needed a car. And you bought it, and it's run, and it's, it's the ultimate appliance. It's manual just to keep you interested, but it's the ultimate appliance. It's time to get something new. As Paul mentioned at the top of the podcast, you have a refundable deposit to get a Ford Focus RS at list price. This is the car you want. This is the car you're excited about. You can't wait to get it. The problem, we'll go back to that acronym that you've uh, talked about before, Paul. (laughs) The she who must be obeyed in your life. Your wife is saying, I don't want you to have another manual car. I want you to have a car that I can drive to. Yeah, yeah. The reason is this is, is a is, problem for the Ford Focus RS. Yeah, I mean, as much as we like that car, if she is nervous about driving it, and that would actually prevent her from driving the car, and therefore, you know, having the need for it, I can understand that. I, I I'm bummed to hear that. Uh, it sounds like uh, welcome to compromise. That's the the crux of any good relationship, right? Is uh, the compromise yeah. part. So we're here to find the compromise. Clearly, it isn't the Yaris. We're very sorry, and buddy, we got to get you out of that Yaris. <laughs> Maybe we can, definitely. you know, ghost ride that off a cliff and put a wrench on the gas pedal for you somehow, and, and uh, <laughs> give it a proper burial. <laughs> but uh, all right, so the car can, can history. We, can we recreate? Can we recreate the uh, the Florida Keys sequence out of the Jim Cameron movie True Lies? Can we I blow up one of the bridges oh. in the Florida Keys and just send the Yaris flying off? There's a YouTube video that get watched. Speaking of budget, by the way, but yeah, <laughs> YouTube gold right there. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. All right, so Deanery's car history here: '88 Cadillac Seville. So so far, the only automatic, and that is. Truly mm-hmm. what everybody thinks of when you think of an automatic. Boring, slush yeah, box, awful. Yeah, you do. There's but good automatic cruiser couch on wheels. That's what that is. That's yeah. the big cruiser cruiser couch on wheels, yeah. We're we're gonna find something for you, and all these are good automatics, I promise. Uh what else? A couple BMWs, E thirty six M three from ninety five, and also a nineteen ninety one three eighteen IS. What else? You had a couple uh, of those. Yeah, yeah. a couple I mean, of those. You have a BMW history. You really like BMWs. Your wife is actually saying she'd like you to not get a BMW and, and actually move on to something else, which, you know what? There I'm going to agree with your wife. Let's do something new and interesting. You're saying you, uh, you'd you like some refinement. You obviously have about forty grand to spend. Uh, you know, you're in your 30s, so you're, you'd like it to be, you know, a little bit refined. Um, uh, you don't – I mean, you like four seats, four doors, but you don't have to have either one. So we've got a lot of room to run here. Uh, and a good budget. Did you notice he uh, mentioned not interested in the Chevy SS? Did you notice that? Yes. Oh, yes, I did. I thought that was funny. Oh, but, but, and no and muscle you know cars. What? No American muscle cars. For the WRXs. right reason. You said you're, you're not a muscle car guy. You're not a WRX guy. I mean, you're, 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 you've clearly listened to the podcast, my friend, because you are giving us <laughs> right. fences to keep us away from the standard recommendations. So kudos to you on that. Um, but, you know, one of the things you brought up here I want to talk about because you talk about really liking hatchbacks and you love BMWs. You'd like some refinement. You've been in a Yaris. I'm going to go there. Anything you step into post-Yaris is going to feel refined. So we're, we're safe there. We're, in re, we're really good. We're fine. <laughs> Anything. But, exactly. But you, you would prefer a manual. But here's the thing. That, look, I, I have to be really candid with you. There is that other that other joke. Forget the she who must be obeyed thing for a minute and go with this. The happy wife, happy happy life thing. There is that element, 
okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am a massive car guy, obviously. My wife at some times just tolerates the fact I'm a massive car guy. In fact, my, my awesome wife, I will, I will tell a story on her right now. My awesome wife, who is very supportive of the pilgrimage trip, looked at me the other night and went, do me a favor. Don't die in Germany or anything stupid, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there are those moments when, when your wife, as supportive as she is of your car habit as mine is, still looks at you and just goes, I married a moron. I just, I did. I married a moron and uh, we're going to fight about it. It, it. That happens. I get it. So she doesn't want you to have a manual. You have to debate, do you want to, do you want to have that fight, essentially? Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that says this to you. If you get that RS, this is my only pitch for the RS. If you get that RS and you keep it four months, six months, you're going to be able to sell it for about the same money. That almost feels like a car you could get just to experience, hey, I own it, and and actually say that to your wife. I want to get it. I want to experience it. I think it's cool. I'm going to have it for like six months, honey, and I'm going to sell it. And my guess is you could get out of it for almost the exact same money and say you owned one. I also think, since you're wanting to go for some refinement, I think it might not be the right car for you long term. So I've got some other recommendations. But there's a part of me that just goes, get the RS, but come to an agreement with your wife of, I'm going to get it, and I am planning to sell it in about six months. I want to experience it, and then I'm going to unload it. Hmm. Interesting. Another compromise in there. By the way, I was not exempt from your wife's comments either about don't do anything stupid. So yeah, that was pointed in my direction too. but she she knows us. She yeah. knows us. Yeah. It was it was okay, okay, idiots. You're going to Germany. Have fun and all, but don't be don't be idiots and die. And okay? we looked Just, at each other know, and went, and, "What? What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> You've seen our work. We just drive around like grandmothers below the speed limit. Sure. We go get coffee on camera. It's it's very calm what we do. <laughs> so sedate could be used to describe our driving habits. Yes. habits. Yikes. Uh, well, I like your idea there. I, I can see that. Tax title and license will be something you cannot get back out of a car. So that is an expense sure, sure. to think about if you can kind of build that in and, yeah, experience it for a little bit. I, I'm sure the reason for selling is I just wanted to taste it and drive it and have a, you know, three, four months, whatever. Great. But I've got a bunch of cars here that I think are going to meet the compromise and in some areas exceed them for mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be as hardcore as, well. as that RS. None of these on that list. And I admit I went pretty BMW heavy because of your history and hmm. because okay. of the fact that you suggested an M3, the E92 M3, and they're good prices and they're excellent cars and they're going to still feed that. I do yeah. have some that are shying away from that, again, to uh, more with an eye towards your wife and pleasing her, which is important. So I will suggest Audi, the 2015 Audi A5, or mm-hmm. you could go a sure. 2013 or 2014 S5 with that lovely three-liter supercharged engine. I found you one with mm-hmm. 14,000 miles on it for about 40K. What else? Uh, I'll get to the BMWs in two seconds, but the mm-hmm. 2010 Panameras are now 40 grand. Just saying, you know, hatchy. Mm. 
It's all mm. hatchy and everything. <laughs> it, it's honey. It's look. It's everything <laughs> you wanted, honey. It's a hatchback and it's an automatic. Yeah. By the way, it's a Porsche, but it's a hatchback and it's an automatic. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, it's not attractive, but it is. But look at how nice <laughs> the seats are. Yeah. There, there's a there's an interesting conversation there. Honestly, I do see it. Well, Just and I, I I, I, I want to get into my list as well, and I want you to keep going. But the big thing about the whole reason I don't normally say buy a car and turn it right around, especially a new one. But the whole reason I think it works for the RS is the same reason it would work for something like an M2 or any car like a GT350 like our friend Justin sold his that car is going to be in demand for the next year yeah oh yeah like serious demand so it's a car that people are going to be like oh my gosh you're selling an RS I'll give you whatever you want that's that's <laughs> right. the reason that I think you can get away with right. it right. Uh, you couldn't buy it keep it four years and not have I mean because of course it'll turn that corner it'll drop and they'll just be around but right now okay cool keep going keep going because mm-hmm. I've got a few as well okay so I mentioned the Audis then I turn to Lexus. A couple of those cars, the coupe being the 2015 Lexus RC350, those are 40 grand. Quite a lovely sure, yeah. ride. And the mm-hmm. F Sport, the IS350 F Sport, those are 40 grand ish, somewhere in there. But I, I guess I keep coming back to BMW with a, a couple of choices besides that E92 M3. By the way, I found you with one with 33,000 miles. Talking about a 2014 435i coupe. Hmm. Found one with hmm. 28,000 okay. miles and a sport automatic transmission. Whatever that means, BMW. Uh, what else? <laughs> and then uh, the it's one an automatic, <laughs> but it feels it feels sporty. It, it, feels it, sporty it believes itself to be sporty. Yes, we, we say it is thusly so. And thusly, mm-hmm. it must be sporty. And lo, there was sport. The marketing department declared it sporty, and so we decided to sell it that way. So this <laughs> exactly. is the new sporty automatic from BMW. And uh, yeah. And the last BMW I will recommend is the 228i. And mm-hmm. the best part mm-hmm. is it's a 2016 car. Found one with 8,000 miles, so certified pre-owned. Looks brand new, pretty much is brand new. But we liked that car. I've talked about it before. On track, it was delightful. Yeah. It doesn't have as yeah. much power as an um, M3. But okay, it's a brand new car, and it's so usable, and it's a 2 Series. It's, well, that's, it's the right size. that's my favorite of your BMW recommendations because it's that small, light, chuckable. It's the hidden driver's car in their lineup. And, you know, yeah, it's a little turbo four-cylinder, eight-speed ZF automatic but it was great on track, and it's such a great mm, chassis. Yeah. I, that I, I love that recommendation. I really do. I really do. I've got three, uh, and one of them is actually one that you brought up, Dean Reed, but I, and I want to speak to it a little bit. But here's the big thing I take away. You've been driving Blandsville. You've been driving a car completely lacking in any personality, and you're eyeing the Focus RS, which is the other end of the spectrum. It's all <laughs> yeah. about the personality. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... And in, in, the, in the middle is your wife going, let's have some sort of reality about I need to be able to drive it. It should be halfway decent. You're also going, I'd like it to be halfway decent. So I used those things as my guide, and I came up with three. First off, you brought it up, the Golf R. The Golf R has got to be a consideration here. It is. It was the least hair on fire, least fun of the four cars we recently put together in our Comparo. But of those four cars, okay, the Golf R taken independently is a usable do-it-all luxurious classy looking car that by the way can hoon now it gets it gets overshadowed in the sheer fun factor by some of the other stuff in that category we're jumping back to back if you watch that piece that rs versus the the hits piece essentially 
When we're jumping back to back, there are places where that golf are. It's just flat out not as fun. It's not as engaging. But that's some tough company. Oh, yeah. That is focused on doing that kind of thing first and foremost. So I feel like the Golf R is a great one that your wife would like. Uh, The DSG is not my favorite gearbox, but it is a good dual-clutch gearbox. It's a lot better than most automatics out there. It's just not my favorite dual-clutch. I mean, again, it's like all of these things are good things. It's just there are things I like better. But there's nothing really fundamentally wrong with the Golf R. Y'all can't and see then me, somebody but I'm out nodding there, in agreement over here with everything you're saying. Well, but definitely, definitely. And then somebody out there is saying, then you can take the Golf R and tune it. And I want to go on the little tangent for a second. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we have heard the, let me tune the Golf R. It'll be faster than all the rest of these. It only wins if you equate faster must mean better. Your $500 chip tune doesn't change the handling. It doesn't change the fact that it's a Haldex all-wheel drive system. It doesn't change the fundamental skeleton of the car. Mm -hmm. But it gets a lot faster. So your Golf R would now be crazy fast and still luxurious and easy to drive and automatic and all those things. I think that is a real contender. I think that may be your car. You brought it up. I want to speak to it. I wanted to mention it and stay there. I want to talk about two others you didn't talk about. Okay. But before I do, I want to make sure – did you have others on your list, Paul? That was pretty much my list. I, I was leaning definitely heavily under the uh, the Euro and Japanese side of okay. things. But that's because okay. he said no American muscle cars. So that was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much my list. Well, but which, I'm nodding with the you. No, this is great. The this no American really muscle car – yeah, the no American muscle car suggests to me kind of a smaller, more agile car. And so I have two others that I think check all the boxes. Following the rabbit trail of your Focus RS, I'm going to go away from the Golf R the other direction. <clears throat> Get yourself an Evo 10. Get yourself the MR with the six-speed dual clutch with actual, thank God, sixth gear so it's quieter on the highway and more sound deadening. You can even get it with leather. Be sure you buy one with the Recaro seats, which means like the 2014 and before. Trust me, you don't want the other seats. They are atrocious. But you could get yourself an MR, have money left over, It has every bit of the hooning ridiculousness you're hoping for in the Ford Focus RS. It isn't a hatch, but yet if your wife wants to drive it, she can. And if you want to drive it normally in traffic, that dual clutch can handle that. I think that's a consideration. I think if you haven't looked at it and and it's not on your list, I think it should be in there. So Evo X, specifically the MR for you. And then my last one, I went, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Florida, your wife wants to drive it. You want it to be nice. Um, <clears throat> Porsche, Boxster, PDK. Done. Well, then she's going to steal his car and drive it all the time. He's never going to get to see the thing. You but know that would be happen. a nice problem. That Great. Fantastic. Although, Turn, you know, then you've turned your wife into a wife. car girl. <laughs> happy wife. Then you, exactly. <laughs> then you turned your wife into a car girl, and now you get to discuss what's the new fun car you get to get. This, that's Hey, I'll acknowledge. That Boxster with the PDK may be your wife's entry drug. I will fully acknowledge that. Hmm. And let's do that. But but I sat here going, Florida, uh, automatic, you want a car that's fun to drive, buy a Boxster. Hmm. So I I'm like done that. there. Those are my three for different reasons, but there you go. I like that far better than the Evo. I can see where you went with the Evo, but I feel like that's going to be trying to ride a racing thoroughbred horse up into the mountains to sort of clip-clop across the trail like a mountain goat, and it's just – it's it's wanting to break free, man. Like, come on, set me free. Why are you doing this to me? We're going to Starbucks. Yeah. What on earth are we doing? Why are we not going to the track? How come we're not going to the track? Like, I know. Something's I, I wrong. get there. 
I get there though because the hair on fire of the of the Focus RS lives in there too. It does, and and she'll feel that and go, uh, it's it's not a comfortable car to drive slowly. It can do it. No. But yeah, I take your point. you're going to feel just something trying to break free, the spirit of the car trying to get out, and it's yeah, it's not fun trying to the, pull the spirit those of reins. the car. Now, now we're now we're going to sit there and, and think about this philosophically. <laughs> let's discuss the spirit of the car. Well, since let's, we're already let's taking, set it free. You know, car drugs. Cars are the drug, right? Yeah, it's 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 all bad over here tonight. Uh, I I I'm happy to move on to Antonio if you've got more stuff for Deanry, but hopefully we've helped you out there with some options that can can kind of cross all all the bridges between you and your wife and still get you a car that's so much better than the Yaris and genuinely fun to drive. Because we are here for you and your wife. <laughs> and to spend your money and, and we'll to spend, spend your more money. Than you have. Hey, it's not this our money. This is really these are really the, the headlines of of the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Antonio wrote to us about his brother uh and you've actually done some good work on this already Antonio. You wrote about him and actually sent us your Google Doc sheet. You kind of sent him a survey and said answer these questions and you've been trying to help him as cuz he's getting rid of his Volkswagen Passat TDI because of Bye back. So you're, he's doing that <laughs> and looking for something right. new. So Joe, we're going to try to help you out here. This is great. Uh, Joe, hope you're listening. I hope you're not getting this just directly from Antonio, but uh, the spreadsheet was awesome because it wasn't just a list of cars. You might think spreadsheet and just hear cars and specs. Mm -hmm. Actually, there were no car choices named. It was all about Mm -hmm. what do you want this to do? What do you want from your tech? What do you want from comfort? What's your commute? All those kinds of questions. And Joe answered them as specifically as he could because he does have a long commute. He's an apartment dweller, mm-hmm. which means he parks in a deck and not a garage or a driveway. Yeah, Antonio yeah. says he's pretty averagely sized, so he can fit in just about anything, which is great. But here's the top three headlines. The first one being miles per gallon. He wants yep. good fuel mileage, yep. good comfort, and a lot of tech. Now, Antonio, mm-hmm. you say this is not the most exciting, but interestingly enough, this is – Joe's probably not alone. Many people shop this way. No, this is – this, this is, is a huge what, list. This is Absolutely. what drives sales. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not boring in any way because a lot of us think this way. Now, he's got that TDI. Well, so for the mileage. What, what, what you're speaking to there, I, I just want to follow up on what you just said because I really liked it. What you're speaking to there about Joe is that Joe is – he's not buying an enthusiast car. He's buying a car that gets him everywhere he needs to go in comfort without killing his wallet. Well, okay. Yes. I mean, that's. I mean, this is this is not the way you and I shop, but but exactly, it's not the way you and I shop. But you and I are the one percent of shoppers. I'm like mm. the point five percent because I don't even care if it's loud and and beats me up. So I mean, we are not normal. I'm the first to acknowledge that. Look at my hair. So as a result, we're dealing with Joe, who is much more in reality, and uh, and I, I've actually got some good recommendations, and he's leaning toward hybrid because of miles per gallon. Now, of course, I will acknowledge we will not recommend a Prius to you. So let's talk about other things. Fortunately, Prius is not on the list. As a matter of fact, only one car is on my list for this one. That's right. Oh, I wow. I am calling okay. it. I am calling it. Good. Good for you. I've got four, but I, I like that you've, you've got, gone sniper shot with it because he's got a good budget. He's talking maybe as much as thirty-five grand. Well, yes. And so we've got the buyback money coming. As I said, the Passat, uh, the TDI, and the mileage is tops. That is category number one. And then tech and comfort and all that stuff. So as you said, he could go up to 35. 
But here's the thing. Hybrid, because all electric means he doesn't have any place to charge overnight. Because of where he lives, yeah. this parking yeah. deck doesn't have any chargers. So I, I initially was thinking Bolt, the starting MSRP is too high and it's all electric. So I threw that out. And I settled mm-hmm. on one car. It's a car that I recommended middle of 2016, earlier this year. And okay. it's, I've recommended it before. So here we go. All right. 2016 Audi A3 Sportback e-tron premium hatchback. It's Audi's hybrid. Mm -hmm. John Jurassic, are you listening? John is an Audi salesman and wrote to us middle of this year about possible financing (laughs) and federal credits and state tax credits depending on the state Joe lives in, which is New Jersey, as we mentioned. Joe Mm -hmm. wrote to us because they are just going on sale as a 2016 model and I think this does it all because mm-hmm. of what Joe is looking for. It's not a Prius. It's got some style. It's full of technology, very comfortable. Yeah. This is a car that I found at 31000 at the lowest for brand new. But as I said, there's, there's federal credits and state tax credits that can help with that. The car itself is a 1.4-liter engine combined with a 102-horsepower electric motor. So I can do math. Mm -hmm. 204 total horsepower. (laughs) I went to art school. I can do math. Wow. Okay. You would have pulled the calculator out for that one, but keep going. (laughs) Man, calculator's smoking over here. Uh, Frightening, yeah. And uh, the dual-clutch transmission. So it's got a six-speed dual-clutch, which is something we like a lot. So from an enthusiast standpoint, you could do dual-clutch transmission there. And... I think the styling, it's useful, four-door, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's going to fit your life. And uh, gosh, I think I was reading somewhere in the 80s for a combined cycle, miles per gallon, somewhere in there, as a as a rating. Yeah. I mean, that's not yeah, yeah, yeah. actual. That's a totally different category, of course. Depends on mm-hmm, how you drive. Mm-hmm. But that's the car I'm calling out. And like I said, John, if you're listening hmm. – Maybe you can hook Joe up if you're interested, but the A3, okay, this is the that's e-tron cool. That's cool. A3. I, I like that you pulled that back out. I, uh, I wanted to speak to the plug-in thing for a second because Antonio acknowledges that he and Joe have talked about the Chevy Volt, which we're big fans of. Talk about the Chevy Volt. It seems to check all the boxes, but of course, it's been thrown out because how do I charge this outside my apartment? I'm going to throw it, throw it kind of a curveball at you, Joe, and I'm going to ask you this question. Where are you driving it to? Because... Meaning more and more what? now, Commute? there are char- more and more there are chargers in a lot of prime parking locations all over the place. So hmm. depending upon, I, mean, I don't know where you commute to, but you could do the reverse equation of most electric car owners. My point is, instead of it getting charged at home, you're getting it charged at work. True. Yeah. You're yeah. you're there. They're eight hours anyway. So so you aren't charging it while it sits at home, and it's the volt, so it'll run on gas anyway. But you aren't charging it when it sits at home. But you pull into because again, the the electric spaces are like the handicap spaces. They're always the closest spaces to the building. They just always are. Yeah. True. So you you drive it to work, or maybe you have to drive two parking <laughs> garages over from where you normally work. Maybe you have to walk an extra block because that parking garage has an electric uh, plug in. But my point is. Look around to see if where you normally would drive this, there'd be one. You could drive it to work, plug it in all day. It's getting charged while you work instead of at home. There are those possibilities. I'm just going to throw that out there as something to look into because that might open up a whole range of cars. The Bolt, the Volt, who knows, if you can find charging stations that are not the house. I've also heard about other people that have volleyed their... uh, 
their landlords for charging stations and have gotten something out of it, even if it's just a long extension cord. So, I mean, there are options, but I think the charge at work option is a real one. There's actually something I've heard about uh, here in here in Salt Lake because I know a couple of people that own Nissan Leafs here in Salt Lake, and uh, one of them. Uh, works pretty near the local Nissan dealer. They park it at the Nissan dealer and plug it in, because no the Nissan kidding. dealer just has a plug for them, and they just plug it in there and walk away and go to work. So I That's know this happens. Clever. So I'm saying look into it and see where those charging stations are. You might surprise yourself on the usability if that's your issue there. Uh, I'm going to list one car that is a not a hybrid at all, just a normal car, and then I'm going to list three that are hybrids as options. Okay. Uh, the the normal car still really good gas mileage. Every time we recommend it, it's because everyone I know that has one loves it. The Mazda 3. Okay. It's not going to sure. quite get hybrid gas mileage, but it's going to get close. I mean, that's a car that gets the solid mid-30s. And everybody I know, and I, I say this over and over, but it's true. Everybody I know that owns the current Mazda 3 cannot stop talking about what a great car it is. Hmm. So you could get a new one with money left over. Oh, easy. You could get a, yeah. a, a one-year used one and have tons <clears throat> left over for gas. And that's cars just – it's you could get the nice grand touring one, great interior, nice place to be. I think you would genuinely enjoy that car. That's my only kind of standard, genuinely fun to drive and yet does everything you want to do. I mean you also talk here, Joe, about how uh, – you like taking like big, long cross-country road trips. This is a car that's going to either commute or be driven distances. It's not a track car. But that Mazda 3 is just going to be a great car no matter what you need it to do. So there's my normal recommendation. Okay. All three, right. three hybrids to look at. The Honda Accord hybrid, excellent hybrid, and a very good car. You, I feel like to make a good hybrid, you've got to start with a car that's good in any format. And the Honda Accord is. Sure. So the Honda sure. Accord hybrid is a solid contender. The Ford Fusion hybrid. The people we've known that have had them, I will acknowledge, haven't driven it. The, the people that have driven the Ford Fusion Hybrid like it. So, And it's a cool-looking car with you know good Ford latest tech in it. So that's an option as well. And then I really like the Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. I have driven that. Comfortable, good tech, good-looking, great warranty. Those cars are reliable. Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is a contender in this category. Seems like every car manufacturer has one now, and you mentioned the Ford. There is also the C Max Energy, but it's uh, uh, it it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a yeah, car I, or a I minivan. I can't recommend or... that car. I can't recommend that car. I because I mean I was he's coming out of a those. he's he's coming out of the Passat, and that has a certain level of I've got a legitimate sedan about it. Sure. And everything I'm recommending, I tried to go in that route, and I actually think your Audi recommendation does it too. I'm sticking but, with my Audi. Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, that. I think it's a great one. But I mean, the Accord, the Fusion, and the Sonata—they're in that—they're in that same class as the Passat. Mm-hmm. They're different cars, yeah. obviously, but I think they're worth driving. And I—I I know it sounds weird, but that Sonata—I've driven it in hybrid and non-hybrid forms, and it is a solid car across the board in this category for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, I can't recommend Hyundai more. I mean, they're. They're really just ramping up. I feel like they're just getting started as a car company. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think next year is their 50th anniversary. You know that? As a as mm. a car company, car manufacturer. That's Yeah, I wouldn't have thought they'd been around that long, but that's interesting, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, good recommendations. Antonio hopes this helps both you and Joe. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for being a patron as well. And uh, yeah, very please much let so. us know what you guys end up getting Got to go drive stuff now, is of course. This is uh, absolutely. The next step. I, I would be curious to hear the other side of the equation. If you dig in for where are their charging stations, and does that change this equation? Uh, that that just stuck in my brain. I'm very mm-hmm. curious about 
the other places you could charge because that might change the whole deal. Well, you never see those charging stations at the back of the parking lot. It costs too much money to run no, the cable under the concrete all the way to the back. <laughs> exactly. There's no reason. There are, our, our local grocery store here, the closest spot to the grocery store is electric cars only. Surprise. You can't just use your car as a shopping trolley and drive the and, aisles. And what's, and what's funny is the only cars you ever see in that, there, there's, two, there's two cars you see in that space. One is, I'm not kidding you when I say this, there is a Fisker Karma in Park City. Oh, yeah. That actually does look great. Every time you see it rolling, that car is just striking. It's either the Fisker Karma parked in that space and plugged in, or it's people like, I will admit it, myself who have backed in there because it's the closest spot to where you get, like, the big, huge bags of stuff that they have outside, like salt for your water softener or whatever. It's the closest space to that, so you back in there with your SUV to throw the heavy stuff in the back. That's only the people who use that space. So my point is there are spaces all over town that you haven't been able to use that maybe you can use now. The Fisker is a really great car for other people to own. It's, wow, a Fisker. I'm so glad you own it and not me. This is awesome. It's, it's so cool to see that car rolling. It really is. And, of course, it's back now. We'll see where that goes. But Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're trying to make a go. Again, to your comment about Chinese piles of money. They've got the money now. Mm -hmm. Seriously. There's more. There's more. So let's do some Facebook questions. You guys have sent us a ton. In fact, there's oh, three yeah. or four podcasts worth of really, really good ones. There's a lot of new ones in this group. So thank you guys for that. I picked out three. How many did you grab? I've got four here, and uh, as a matter of fact, okay. yeah, lots and lots of good ones. I'm laughing at the the quality. You guys are being creative, which I really, really appreciate. You're you're pulling yeah. out some good questions, and as a matter of fact, Jonathan Drake asks uh, three. No, he asks four. So I'm going <laughs> to answer two because they're so different, which we've not talked about okay. before. And I'm going to jump right in with his first question. He asks, is it ever inappropriate or embarrassing to wear car swag? <clears throat> Example, Porsche hats. <laughs> You're <laughs> asking the – I don't know if it's the right person <laughs> or the wrong person here, my friend, because Paul is the king of Porsche swag. You don't know it, but there have been reviews we've done where in our closing discussion – and this is not actually true on the uh, GTS uh, M2 piece, believe it or not. But during the closing discussion of some of our other random cars, Paul's had on Porsche pants. Yeah. They don't say yeah. Porsche on them anywhere obvious, but they're Porsche pants. So Paul would say to you – I'm going to answer for him – there is never a reason to not wear <laughs> Porsche-branded clothing. I mean, if it's Ferrari – I mean, they're making bed sheets and – you know, stupid stuff that is, hey, I've got a piece of Ferrari because it's got the Ferrari logo. I feel like Porsche is different. They have Porsche design, which is a different category, mm -hmm. by the way. These yeah. are actual yeah, yeah. real products done by a different <laughs> division of the company altogether. I mean, they're really yeah. high-end quality products. They've got stores in really high-end you know, areas around the world, as a matter of fact. So Porsche design stores are very high-end clothing, of which I <clears throat> own a, a little bit. Um, I own uh, some shoes and a lot of shirts. And I'm going to go get a drink um, and come back while you do this list. <laughs> currently, the cologne. I, I really like Porsche cologne. Oh. No, it does not smell like Cosmoline or oil or 80s Porsches. It actually smells pretty good. And I've got comments on it, es too. It's essence, it's essence of jerk. Porsche <laughs> cologne. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was so, a cheap shot. Keep I going. Feel, uh, I feel like it's no. It's never inappropriate. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with this whole um, – this piece that dropped, Jonathan, I hope you saw it. 
M2 versus GTS. I stopped by BMW World in Munich, and I'm starting yes. to drink the BMW Kool-Aid, too. They are I know. really cool cars, I know. and I did pick up a hat and a BMW Motorsports shirt because it's cool, and I just I like it. So, yeah. Well, my, my feeling here, Jonathan, is... Uh, is I, I like it if it's subtle. I mean, Paul's got a really cool Porsche hat that just says Porsche on, like, with just small Porsche text. It's not like, here's the huge logo. The thing about Ferrari clothing all the time is you see the logo before the person enters the room. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. monstrous, obnoxious stuff. Lambr- some of the Lamborghini stuff is huge. If it's logo infested, like, I really love Puma shoes. I, I love Puma shoes. There's whole sections of their lineup I can't buy because they're emblazoned with Ferrari or BMW logos. Yeah, but I like true. the way the shoe looks. True. So I'm a guy where if it's subtle, and it's it's branded, but it's subtle. I'm all about it. But I I also don't like those things. I think of Joey on Friends when he had the the sequence where he wore all Porsche uh, clothing and, oh, and acted yeah. like he had a Porsche, but didn't have one. I mean, the people that are wearing it head to toe that kind of drives me nuts. But if it's subtle stuff, I think why not? It's just clothing and it's got a logo on it for those that know. But yeah, uh, yeah. Or you can be like Paul and it's Porsche everything and nobody's surprised. But you had to explain it. I mean, you had to point out that I was wearing it. You wouldn't notice it at first, but then you no, know, you're right. I will acknowledge it's I, subtle. It's that's classy, true about your about your Porsche pants. They're not you know here's it doesn't say Porsche down the leg. And if it were Ferrari, it would say Scuderia down the leg or something. Yeah, right, know? right. Yeah. <laughs> And who well, wears uh, bright red pants anyway? I mean, it's just not Well, great. you know, some people can pull it off. Uh, so Greg uh, Scandalbury wrote to us, and he said, what classic car would you love to experience? I think I know yours. And, well, I mean, yeah, I have to say E-Type because it's close to my heart and I want to drive one. But I, I started to think beyond that. I started to think to the icons, the ones that I have almost no chance of getting in. And that goes to old Ferraris, the 250 Testarossa mm. and uh, the GT California, the original Ferris Bueller car, um, the, you know, the one that sold for like $15 million. In fact, I, I think I told you this joke before, Paul. We, <laughs> a few years back, right after we moved to Utah, you and I secured a Ferrari California to drive for the show. Right around that same time, and that was you know, the current Ferrari California. But right around that same time, it was like national, international news, not even on car news, but that a Ferrari <laughs> 250 GT California, the Ferris Bueller car, had just sold for like $14 million. Yeah. So my wife heard Ferrari California sold for $14 million. Her husband says, this weekend we're driving a Ferrari California. And she went, you're doing what? <laughs> uh, and then, and it took me a beat. It was like I'm driving a Ferrari California. What's the problem? I've driven lots of fast stuff. And then the pieces connected, and I went, "Oh no, 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 no! Not the 14 million dollar. Right. Very few exist. Not that California. The current one, which is still admittedly an expensive car, but not in the same category. But those <laughs> near priceless Ferraris, I just love to get in them, mainly because I would like to know with a critical eye, why is this worth so much? Is it just the badge and nostalgia, or is there something? electric organic about that car i'm just curious you might have to red wear red pants if you drive that car let's say if, if that's what it takes to wear red ferrari pants in order to get to drive one of those one day i will wear those pants <laughs> i can wear those Bring it. <laughs> exactly absolutely greg i would have to say the duesenbergs from the 20s and 30s think great gatsby Ooh. era Ooh, Those just, yeah. I dig. I mean, advancing the spark timing from the steering wheel with a mechanical lever intrigues mm. the daylights out of me. <laughs> and they're huge. They're yeah, enormous yeah, they're, cars yeah. and beautiful rolling art deco. I would love to do that. And if we can classify 
some of the, I guess, 60s Porsche race cars, if those can be considered mm. classics, the ones that mm. you, you know, when men were men kind of cars, and you're going 220 miles an hour at the Le Mans straight, and real race car drivers sure. are scared out of their minds. I, I'd like to experience something like that, like the 917 or yeah, I was something say 917. just yeah, exactly. bonkers that you would never, really, ever really have nutty ones. Yeah. I, yeah, I would like that's that. Great. That's that would really good. just that's really good. consider box checked if I got the chance for, for oh, that. Oh, man. No kidding. So. No kidding. All right. Well, back to Jonathan. What's another one you have? He asks, oh, yeah. opinions on car charms or mascots? Dice on the mirror, oh. stuffed animals <laughs> really? in the deck. Really? No. So uh, The short answer is no. No, no, no. I want to light those cars on fire when I see them. <laughs> here's why the answer is no, Jonathan. And that's because when I pass you at high speed on the on-ramp or I go around you, I don't want my car to be memorable to you to describe it to any police officer. <laughs> I just want to blow your doors off and you just thought, that was a blue car and I can't really remember much after that. I don't even you want you to remember my license stuffed tag. stuffed animals. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's all animals, and you know what? I remember the fuzzy dice. It was that car with fuzzy dice. <laughs> then I'm culpable. <laughs> but if my car is cool enough but just nondescript enough to the general car driving public where they, they can't sure. quite remember who just blew their doors off, that's why yeah. the answer is no. Maybe a sticker. Yeah. Maybe here and there I've – you know, dabbled with that, the Porsche Car Club of America stickers, but they're they're tiny. Sure. They're, you know, like a 50-cent piece. So, yeah, you know, but generally, Funny. no. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I love it. Rick, I always feel like when I see those cars that with all the 14 stuffed animals in the window, they've been there for years. You know, the side faded, that faces people nasty. are all faded. I mean, it looks <laughs> like they've been there long enough that, that other animals have taken up shelter in the stuffed animals. The I mean, it's just it's always bad. And they're nasty. It's, it's terrible. It's never good news. Yeah. Uh, Rick wrote to us and said, what's the deal with gated shifters? His question is, he always thought that they look cool, and they do, but they're pretty much an old exotics thing. And are they hard to drive? Are they dangerous? Where have they gone? What's the story? Now, Rick, uh, I will admit we don't, haven't had a whole lot of experience with them. We did drive one on the original uh, 4.2 liter R8. Loved it. I've sat in a lot of cars and, and worked the gated shifters on a lot of high-end cars. Drove that R8 in anger on the track. They are very cool. Tactily, they feel incredibly cool because it's metal on metal and you can feel that linkage in a way that you can't in, in modern shifters. But I would say to you, they, they take some getting used to. They're not nearly as easy as you might think. Uh, because those channels are so exact and they're so high up the up the stick comparatively to, to the connection points that it kind of takes some, okay, so I'm in first and then second's easy, but to get third is like, okay, I'm up and i got to go over a little bit. And it takes a little bit of, oh, that's the motion. It requires you to train yourself some muscle memory. I think that's part of the reason, because, of course, manuals are dying in general. I think that's part of the reason they've gone away. Yeah, we also drove one on the Lamborghini Countach video, so check that out. Uh, that was another game yeah, shifter true. that we've got experience yep. with. And they are slower, but I, I think it's a bit of a design element. I mean, when you drive a manual, mm, you're oh, still slotting through a gate. It's just this has been brought up and exposed as a visual mm -hmm. design element, and it's cool. Agreed. It's very clunky and chunky and mechanical, and you have to – wait a beat and be very deliberate about it. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad mm -hmm. thing, but you know, modern shifters have gotten so slick and the gates are so thin and tiny and the synchros work so well, it's yeah. more of a styling element than anything. And Ferrari has been the king of that. Of course the R eight, you know, brought that back, but 
on the R8, that's more of a styling thing than anything. You don't need yeah. that gate no, to figure don't. out where your gears are. We can all we can easily feel it when we drive it, but it does yeah. make for a sense of connection with the car. I think, and you know, lots of car manufacturers have tried it in various forms. It looks well, cool. The, I mean, it looks cool, and the well machine one, that metal on metal feeling, it actually feels cool. It is a, is a very cool thing to drive. But you've actually hit on the perfect way to describe it. They're awesome. But they're deliberate. They're not fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as we as we head more and more toward efficiency and everything's got to be speed and here's how fast we shift and here's how easy it is and the clutch pedal's gotten super light, that you can see how that goes. But you know if you've got if you're willing to take the time and learn it, they're they they are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got uh, the next question. Two left here from me. Uh, one is more of a public service announcement that I do want to reiterate <laughs> from James Parson. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, yeah. this is how dangerous it is to pass truckers on the right. And people do it. I have admit uh, I've passed people on the right, but it's because they refuse to leave yeah. the left lane. But he was driving in L.A., and it happens a lot, and he almost changes lanes into somebody. So I'm going to add to James's request here, and that is not only don't pass truckers on the right, but don't hang out in truckers' blind spots. Too many people That's even cruise bigger. along behind the truckers, or it's they just bigger. cruise along, not even paying attention that they're next to a gigantic yeah. truck. They cannot see you. Well, they kick up gravel and rocks and road debris. Why do you want your car next to that? But they cannot see you, especially whatever way they're turning. Don't hang out and give them a false sense of, okay, I think my mirrors are clear. I haven't seen anybody there for a while, and you're just hanging out Mm -hmm. there. No good Mm -hmm. people. Get away from the trucks. Give them space. And by the way, thanks to the truckers, I mean, they're not quite on the status of our military, but if if it weren't for them – the world yeah. would shut down. I mean, they deliver all of our goods <laughs> yeah. and services. So thanks to all you truckers well, listening. I, I mean, I will say this. I will say this. You know, every driver out there has some story about that guy in the 18-wheeler, that trucker, follow the story with why they were terrible. I will guarantee you, because my grandfather ran a trucking company, I will guarantee you nobody's ever gotten into a long-haul truck and thought, I want to crowd people. I'd like to almost hit somebody. Oh. I'd like to try to run somebody off. No one has ever tried to get into one of those trucks and said, I want to be malicious with this massive vehicle. Right. doesn't happen. Right. They, they, want to get, they want to get from from the start to the end of their load safely, as efficiently as possible, which is why they drive at night. That's the other thing about it. This is why they pull off on the roadside at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and are driving at 4 in the morning because I don't want to go through L.A. in a car during rush hour, let alone an 18-wheeler. <laughs> right. Are you kidding? Right. So, but, so I, would, I would say they, they would prefer if you would give them space and just get around them. And, yeah. yeah, the right side is not where they're looking, first and foremost. That's a great point. But don't hang out right on their bumpers and don't hang out right in the blind spot. Just be aware, people. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And don't cut them off either. I mean, they're a gigantic, <laughs> huge mass. They cannot stop and maneuver as well as cars. This, this, is the, this is the way to stop Utah's brake checking problem. If every brake checker would brake check in front of an 18-wheeler, it would be process of elimination. It would be survival of the fittest. They would eventually all be run over because that 18-wheeler cannot stop on a dime, people. It doesn't happen. And actually, almost once a week, there's this section of I-80 here uh, between Park City and Salt Lake. Almost once a week, I see an 18-wheeler off the side of the road that's done his brakes in. Oh, coming down yeah, the hill. yeah. Fully loaded. They're, that's just hard. They've got a big, a good uh, truck runaway ramp halfway down there. 
so that's a that's a tough gig from a driving perspective. So definitely give those guys some some respect. I wanted to talk about Lucas, who wrote in about uh, he asked our thoughts on the Alpha Four C. Hmm. He yes. got a chance to ride in one. They were on a fast road, and they left everybody in the car club they were with. They just walked away in a 4C, and he was riding shotgun. So good driver in that car. But he said, wait a minute. This car was awesome. Why don't you guys talk about it as a Lotus Elise alternative? So I want to speak to that quickly. First off, watch our feature film, Mid-Engines and Mountains. It's the Alpha 4C, a Lotus Elise, and a base Porsche Cayman, the same Cayman as Paul now owns, but the base version. And we talked about the pros and cons of the 4C. Its problem is there are other things in its market segment, those two cars specifically, that kind of do things a little better. The Porsche for more usability, the Lotus for more hair on fire. The 4C is kind of in the middle. But you can get a great breakdown of it in that film. But I want to say one thing about it quickly, and that is I'm going to compare it to the Lotus. The Lotus is more reliable with driver information than the 4C. I wish the 4C were manual. I would probably recommend it more if it was. I like a lot of things about it. It it kind of personally kind of floats into my serious consideration world when I start looking at <laughs> leases now and then. But I wish it was a manual. I don't like that it's uh, that it's got paddle shift. But the Lotus, if you spin a Lotus, it gave you tons of information prior to that happening. If you spent an alpha, spin the Alpha 4C, it might be because it just went, surprise! That's the difference. <laughs> right. No, it's uh, it's not that we don't like the Alpha. We actually love it a lot. It's, it's like a, It's uh, a great car. It's like in the exotic car category. I mean, don't you think it's like a little Ferrari? Sort of a half Ferrari? Absolutely. A Absolutely. third of a Ferrari. I, I feel like it's in this category of things about it that you love, so you're willing to overlook other things that really bug you, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Like, a, you know, from the 80s, a good example is, you know, your feet were pointed one way and the steering wheel columns pointed <laughs> another. But, man, I'm yep. in a Lamborghini, you know, whatever. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. love mm-hmm. it. But also, at this point, they're just starting to come down in price and you're just barely starting to find them on the used market. So, therefore, True. they're out of the price range, far more expensive than a Lotus, even though they are in the Cayman category. Yeah. But they're out of the price range of most people. I know when this is me talking. I shouldn't be. Well, but, I, but you bring up a good point. When they're 30, 35 grand, we're going to talk about them a lot more. Absolutely. That's a great point. They That's are an alternative point. at that point. I mean, all mm-hmm. carbon fiber chassis construction. I mean, this is a little yeah. tiny exotic. And you don't mm-hmm. see them coming and going. So, therefore, you are the rock star wherever you take that thing. It stands I, out. I would own one. I totally sure, would. Sure. Absolutely. But then, you know, Todd brings up great points. The refinement of the Cayman is what spoke to my heart and the fact that it's German and Porsche and all those things that I love. So I actually had considered the 4C for a while. We liked it so much and came away. And Todd had said, you know, that car is going to pull you away from Porsche. It's just, it's this little <laughs> thing, this amazing Apparently, little story. Apparently nothing beast. will, but yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I visited the BMW but, Museum and, you know, I yeah, bought a hat. Yeah, point, but... <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, but, but you know that's the thing. When I the Lotus Elise is, it it may be honestly the most honest car I've ever driven, because there is it it can it's impossible for the Lotus Elise to lie to you. Yeah, it's giving yeah. you so much information, you know exactly what's going on, to its detriment as well. I mean, if everyone you knew in your life only ever told you the truth and never softened anything, some of those people you would start to hate. 
Let's be honest. That's the Lotus Elise too. It's it, because it's constantly telling you everything. You don't want a road trip in that car. I would road trip cross country ten times in the Alpha Four C instead of doing it in the Lotus Elise once. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so it's yeah. you know it's a much more usable, livable car. But when you're really throwing it down a back road, it is very fun, incredibly fun. But the Lotus is giving you more honest, reliable, consistent information at all times than the 4C. I'm splitting yep. hairs, but that's the case. Yep. All right. Well, I know we're running long, but Casey Cook really poked at me with his question about <laughs> what car is the worst at living up to its exterior design and what is hmm. the best at performing better than it looks? Whenever we get into a styling discussion, that just yeah. – that really fires me up. And you, have, so, you have to take it. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm going to let you have it. Go for it. Casey – there is a car that fits both of these categories, and that would be any current Maserati. I'm sure the performance mm. is lovely, mm. but the Gran Turismo sounds more exciting than it is. Now, <laughs> the new Ghibli has the best proportions so far, but apparently only seven of their 2015 model cars have wheel bearings that are too soft. So what does that tell you about the manufacturing? Now, mm. This new faceless Levante SUV exhibits a strange yeah. design language that I think competes directly with itself. The front end kind of <laughs> competes with the back end. and Competes with itself. It does. It does. <laughs> You've got two warring design <laughs> factions over lunch throwing pencils at each other because they want to fuse their front end with that back end. Am I wrong? Oh, Look at this thing. <laughs> and then going inside the door window switch panel, guess what? FCA, it's straight out of my Jeep Grand Cherokee. Parts bin mm, yeah, car, if yeah, there yeah. ever was one. Mm-hmm. Then the Quattroporte is worse to look at than the rear end of ugly zoo animals, like the orangutan cage. <laughs> I'm talking about those crazy creatures. <laughs> I mean, things I don't want to look at.com. It's a long, long list. It's not even a website. Wow. They all look like Italian Buicks with those stupid three-panel porthole vents on everything. It's like Maserati <laughs> magnetized feel, their cars and drove through the AutoZone bad styling accessories aisle. And Let finally, loose, bud. Go for it. if that's all not enough, the maintenance cost will not only suck the kids' college fund <laughs> bone dry, but it will garnish yep. their future wages at their as-yet-to-be-determined jobs until they're 40 <laughs> years old. This is a rant from you. I am impressed. How can the Alfa Romeo Design Studio exist next to the Maserati, Maserati Studio under the that same company? That is a good point. What on earth? That I wouldn't funny. buy a Maserati. Really, you couldn't really pay funny. me to drive one. And <laughs> thusly Clearly. let it be so. Clearly you are not a fan. All right. Well, wow. I, I, I am not going to compete with that. I'm going to let you have that one, Casey. Thanks for, for poking Paul and making him rant. That's pretty hysterical. I love it. <laughs> Thank you all for writing in. The Facebook questions were entertaining as usual. As I said, creative and wonderful. And uh, we are off to Germany. So the next time you hear from us, we will be in Germany, which is going to be very exciting. Wish you all could be there, maybe next time. But, uh, yeah, watch for updates on the Twitter, and uh, we're going to be podcasting from there. So until next time, you'll hear from us from there. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) 